to enjoy it. Take a deep breath in. Are y'all ready for the Word of God this morning? I am. Well, I just want to take a moment to welcome any of our guests in the house. Uh, if this is your first time or first time in a long time, we want to welcome you. You picked the right place at the right time, let me just tell you. And I am not biased at all, okay? But, uh, and also we want to welcome any of the guests um, or any of our family on the internet this morning watching. We want to welcome you. Find a spot in your house. Get seated. Get your coffee. Get in place because God has a special word for you today. Amen. All right. Well, I just have a couple of quick, quick announcements before we jump into the, the word of God. First of all, I want to mention that we had an incredible crew show up yesterday to run the 8K for autism awareness. It was really, really great. I, that's the reason why it took me 10 full minutes to get up those stairs right over there. 10 full minutes. Yes, everywhere I go, it's taking me like three times longer. But uh, we had an amazing group. And actually, honorable mentions, I don't know, Andrew just left the stage. Andrew, he got third place in the men's overall. And he had a Triumph Church t-shirt on the whole time. And my wonderful husband was wonderful enough to serve water at the table because he hurt his ankle. We love you, babe. Thank you for serving. <laughs> He's going to get me back. I'm just taking my time right now. Okay. All right. Well, there's only two quick announcements. Youth, pay attention if you are a parent of a youth or youth, if you're in the room listening, remember that this Wednesday night, we're having our full service here at the church. That's boys and girls together in the main service in the uh, Anthem Alive room right down the way. You don't want to miss out 7 p.m. It's going to be really, really exciting. I'll tell you, I'm having the best time having just the girls over at my house for Bible study. I know Pastor Randon has the guys separate here on Wednesday nights, and we have been getting so much done. I just feel such... Um, I feel such a good move with the relationships being built in our in our girls and our guys. But we're going to come back together and celebrate Wednesday night here at church, okay? And then second is Growth Track starts this Sunday. If you are thinking about becoming a member or if you just want to know more about who we are, what our values are, and what we believe, Growth Track is the perfect opportunity for you to join us. It's during service, so child care is taken care of in the nursery. And if you would like to sign up for that, the Connection Desk has a, a sign-up sheet for Growth Track. So you don't want to miss it. That's this coming Sunday. It's two classes long, two Sundays in a row. And uh, you'll get to know our heart. You'll get to hear Pastor Brandon's heart and vision for the church. And it's just good to know. Amen? Amen. There we go. I heard somebody. Somebody's paying attention. All right. Well, on that note, why don't we uh, welcome Pastor Randon, and let's get ready to hear from the Lord today. Amen? today. Uh, yes, I was, I was uh, very embarrassed to be handing out water when my wife ran by. What got me more than anything was the, was the moms running and pushing their stroller at the same time, and I'm like, do you want some water? It's, it's not cool. But I went to the doctor this week, and he said, I, I told him I was going to run, and he, he checked out my ankle, and he said, you can run, but you'll be running straight into surgery. And so I said, okay, let's not. 
not do that. Uh, but thank you for everyone that came out. Let me uh, mention a couple of things to you today. Uh, do you have your phones with you? If you have your phone, pull them out really quickly. Oh my gosh, he said pull his phone out in church. Yes, I did. Pull your phone out in church. Um, and I want you to open up the Triumph Church app. If you don't have it, you can download it right now. Search Triumph Church TX in the App Store. I want to show you a couple of really important things. An, if you have an Android, I, I'm assuming that it's there too. We dumbed it down a little bit so it works for you. For not for you, but for your phone. And so, but uh, uh, <laughs> okay. So we our new app went live this week. Some of you have already seen it and talked to me about it. But I wanted to show you a couple things and uh, tell you a couple things. First of all. Um, Right here at the top, we're, we're creating some new ways for you to engage with our app. So many people have told us, man, the app is beautiful, we love it, but unless you're watching the sermon online, there's not a lot of reason to open the app. And so we, we wanted to create some ways to engage. One of those is, uh, on the homepage there, you see a, a, a button that says Worship. When you click on that, it will take you to a playlist that will be updated this week. And... It will allow you to listen to some of the leading worship songs out there. So when you're driving to work or you're getting dressed in the morning, it's a great time just to open it up and, uh, and let God, the presence of God start to get involved in your life and fill your home and fill your car. It's a great way to start the day. The second thing is these will be songs that you will be hearing on Sunday morning or you currently hear Sunday morning. So have you ever come to church on a Sunday and we sing a song, you have no idea the words and you spend more time trying to read the words than you do trying to worship Jesus? Okay, I, I have. Okay, then. My point is, uh, this is a chance for you to get familiar with some more of the songs that we sing. Uh, we have a lot of diversity in our worship, and you, so you may not even know some of the people who sing these songs. You don't have to. Just get on here, and you can listen to them. Then when you get to church, you'll be more familiar. You'll be able to engage more. Does that sound cool to you? I knew you would like that idea. I just knew it. Um, then you come down here. You can click the Facebook feed. This will take you to our Charm Church Facebook page. If you're ever looking for information, you want to know what's going on, uh, you miss something. Uh, if you're on Facebook much, uh, sometimes... Uh, sometimes it's hard to uh, get searched through and find the last thing you saw from the church or you missed something. All you got to do is click right here. It'll take you straight to our feed. Um, so those are just a couple of things. There's uh, lots of ways you can get involved in here. You can see our latest sermon series. You can sign up for Kids Club and, and all these different things. Um, and then uh, if you scroll over to the right, uh, you got all of our sermons. You know, Easter's up from last week. And, of course, you can watch sermons there. And as usual, if for those that are traveling, maybe you're watching right now, uh, you can clip, click on the Live Now button, uh, and you can watch our sermons live if you're, if you're away. Uh, we're having a, a technical glitch this morning. The, it doesn't seem to be working. I don't know why, but they're on it. Uh, so by next week, I'm, I'm sure that it's working on the website, but it's not working on the app. Uh, imagine that technology with some bugs in it. But we'll get it worked out. Um, then the last thing is this, and, I, and we made a shift. Some of you, or hopefully all of you, received an email from us, uh, from me this week, to talk about the changes we made uh, in our giving, the giving portion of our church. So um, basically, we find it very important uh, to do two things. Number one, uh, be, able to be able to give online through our technology. But even more importantly than that is to make sure we stay safe and secure with all of your information at the same time. 
Um, and, and over the years, the companies that we have been using, we, we try to stay with the, the leading companies that have a, a great track record, but uh, they, they've just kept, this, this certain company has just kept going up and up and up and up in cost. And finally we said, okay, that's enough, and we started doing research, and we found uh, companies that do an amazing job for much, much less money. What that means is more of my giving and more of your giving gets to go into the work of the kingdom of God than rather to a bank. Does that make sense? And so we, we found a way to be more efficient and more effective. What that means for you is you just have to set it up again. It doesn't take but just a couple of minutes. Many of you give on your reoccurring giving where it's set up uh, automatically, whether you're here or not. I, I celebrate you for that. Pastor Lindsay and I do the same thing. Um, and you can set that up again. Uh, but the push pay, which you've been using, is going away. Uh, we're not mad at those guys. We just don't want to pay them anymore. And uh, so Planning Center is, a, is um, also how we're utilizing our, our new membership program. So it's going to increase our efficiency as a church, uh, both with, with ease in which things move together and also saving us uh, what turns out to be thousands of dollars at the end of the year. So uh, we're excited about this. And I just wanted to let you know, we're, I, obviously it's, it's giving time here, Triumph. We're going to be receiving our offering. But I wanted you to know, because many of us give on the app, and I wanted you to be aware and not look at it and think that something was wrong, but we've made a shift in companies. Does that sound good? All right. So it's, it's offering time here at Triumph Church. And, and I just want to thank you for your continued, uh, yeah, you can clap for that. I want to thank you for your continued faithfulness. I am so continually amazed by the, the, the amazing heart that this church has to sow into the kingdom of God, to give our first and our best to Jesus time and time again, week after week after week. And, uh, and I just want to thank you for that. And um, you, obviously today you can give online, you can give on the app, you can use an offering envelope if you're more comfortable with that. Uh, or uh, there are giving receptacles in the foyer, but it's time that we give. And I'm just going to pray today that God speaks to your heart. You put him first, and then he shows up in your life. And he is who he is. He, he, he becomes God, God your provider, that, that uh, can meet every need that you have. Father, I thank you. I just, I just love you, and I worship you, God, because you speak to our hearts, and You've done so much for us. Lord, if you had stopped at salvation, that would have been enough. But you didn't stop there. You kept going because your heart of generosity just wouldn't allow you. But you continue to bless us and you continue to want to be involved in our life, in the big things and in the small things. And God, I thank you for what you've done in this church and are yet to do. I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of every giver in this room. Lord, I, I thank you that you are opening up the windows of heaven and pouring out blessing until there's no room to receive it. Lord, there's still more room, so keep the windows open. Lord, I pray that you would multiply this offering today, allow it to go above and beyond to accomplish every purpose that you've sent it to this church for. I thank you for it right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Usher, you may assist us at this time.
I'm excited to dive into a new sermon series uh, today. And I was just praying, you know, God, what do you want to do? Uh, I often look at the calendar and, uh, and just, you know, ask God to speak to me and, and where we are in our lives as, as our, we are in our natural lives. God's often doing things in the spiritual. And as you study the story of, of Jesus, obviously last week we talked about how Jesus was, you know, he, he died on the cross and he rose from the grave. And we talked about the, the celebration of the, the resurrection of Jesus and all these wonderful things. And now we enter into this period of time where Jesus is appearing to the disciples and the followers of Jesus. He, he's appearing to them in this resurrected form, this resurrected body. And, and he's doing wonderful things, and he's speaking incredible things. Uh, and then he, then uh, that leads us up to the day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit was poured out uh, and on, on the 120 believers, and, and the Holy Spirit was poured out. They were filled. They were baptized with fire. And so 50 days from last Sunday is when Pentecost Sunday is. That comes up, I, I believe it's the first Sunday in June or so. So as we draw closer to that, I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit. But I was just praying about, God, what do you, what do you want to do what, in, in, the, in this meantime? What do you want to do? And I just felt like God talking to me about how he wants to do the miraculous in our life. He wants to do things that there's no way that we could do on our own. He wants to solve problems that we are, uh, we, we face inadequacies and an inability to solve them on our own. He wants to bring healing when doctors have said there is no way. He wants to heal marriages when the counselors have given up on us. He wants to bring our, our young people, our, our students, our kids, our grandkids, our nieces, our nephews back into the house of God and back into salvation when they have previously said that they will never return to God. I, I want to believe for the miraculous, but believing for the miraculous is, is, uh, is, is a difficult thing sometimes. I, I, this phrase, you may have heard it, you may have used it in your life, it's a sarcastic comparative phrase, and it, it says, you know, when, when something is really, really unbelievable, like something, you, you want something to happen, or you're gonna, you would do something, but it's, it's so unbelievable that you say, yeah, that'll happen when pigs fly. Because we all know that pigs aren't going to fly, so whatever you're dealing with in your life is never going to happen because it's as unlikely to happen as pigs flying. So you say, well, you, you know, uh, just whatever it might be, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, you, you're, you want to own your own home. You're praying to God and you've been trying, but you've got to this place in your life where people say, hey, you can go out and buy your own home, and you respond to them, yeah, right, when pigs fly. Because we've lost our belief, we've lost our wonder, we've lost our ability to dream. You come to me and say, Pastor Randon, don't you want to get a cat? That's two cat jokes in, in, the, in the matter of two weeks. Some of you, some of you are going to be waiting on me outside the door. I kid. The point is this. Are there things in your life that you want to believe for, and yet they seem so hopeless that you might as well wait on pigs to fly? 
but I want to stir something up in you. I want to, I want to stir some faith in you. I'll start with this story because here, here's, the, here's the bottom line. A miracle, and we can talk, we'll talk about different types of miracles, but very simply put, a miracle is when God intervenes in a certain situation. Whatever your situation is, whatever's going on, whatever the difficulty is, when God intervenes, that is a miracle. Miracles aren't reserved for raising people from the dead. Miracles aren't reserved for pastors and elders. Miracles can happen in your life every single day. What we're really asking for is God intervene in this situation. God, I need some help in this situation. God, I need your supernatural power in this situation. I'll tell you a story. 2011, 2012, we have the plans drawn up to build a new sanctuary at our Beaumont campus. This was before Pastor Lindsay and I were the lead pastors of both Beaumont and Needleton. We were just in Needleton, I mean, just in Beaumont at this time. And, and we are praying and believing. We've got two services on Sunday morning in a really small sanctuary. I think you could have fit it all in this center section. The place is packed out. There's people in the balcony. Uh, it's, I mean, it was, it, we needed room to grow. And we're just praying and believing. God, we want to build this sanctuary. We want to build this sanctuary. The, the bank has agreed to loan us the money. We've got our down payment. We've got uh, all this stuff together. We've, we've done all the dirt work. We are ready to go. And yet, there were a, the, the, the people in the city who make the decision on, yes, you can have a permit to build, or no, you can't, would not give us approval. You say, well, well, why not? Here's why. That building was built back in the 60s. It was originally built as a, a nightclub. I don't know if you know this story. It was a massive nightclub that, that was famous. Huge, huge people played there on the regular. Guys like George Jones. How many have ever heard of George Jones? He, he played in our building years and years ago. And so this was this massive nightclub with multiple dance floors and bars everywhere. It was huge. It was a fantastic thing to be walking around there when we were looking to buy the building. And we're walking through with our pastors and our elders, and they're like, yeah, that's where my first wife divorced me. And yeah, that's when, I, when, when the bouncer beat the tar out of me and threw me down the stairs. And it was like, all right, well, you know, if God can redeem a man, he can redeem a building. So... <laughs> So we're, we're struggling. Here's the problem. When the building was built back in the 1960s, they didn't want to put a sprinkler system in it because it was very, it's still expensive, but it was extremely expensive at the time. So a deal was struck between the city and the businessmen that were building this building that said, we won't make you put a sprinkler system in if you will, if you will sign and agree to not building another building of any kind within 60 feet of this building. So now fast forward 50 years and we're trying to build add on to the building and they're quoting this variance from 50 years ago that says you can't build this you can't build within 60 feet. Well I'm saying you know what that was a wonderful agreement. If the building had ever caught on fire, that would have saved a lot of lives and a lot of people's homes. But here's the problem. In between then, you have forced us to put a sprinkler system in every corner of this church, two floors. So now we have literally spent 
hundreds of thousands of dollars putting an entire sprinkler system in, running it from the road, from the highway, and building this. So the reason for the variance no longer exists, so shouldn't the variance go away? Seems like a reasonable argument, right? Didn't work. We fought month after month after month after month and could not get this variance to be pushed aside so we could build the building. And we're exhausted, and we're just struggling. We're like, you know, we're trying to decide what do we do here? Do we tear the building down and build something new? Do we move locations? Do, do we build a completely different structure somewhere? What do we do? And on a Wednesday night, I'm preparing to preach, and uh, just before service, like within minutes before service, I was just saying my last few minutes of prayer there, and God just gives me this vision. And he showed me that there was uh, a demonic influence over some men in the, the city council or whoever was making this decision. And I'm not telling you that they were demon-possessed. I'm not telling you that they even knew it. But what I saw in this flash was that there was a demonic influence that was not allowing them to make the decision to let us build the building. Because they were not for the kingdom of God, obviously, and didn't want this building built. Well, as soon as I saw this, I knew what we needed. We didn't need more money. We didn't need anyone to be healed. We didn't, we didn't need a, a, a miracle of protection. What we needed was, we needed God to deliver us and this group of men from the oppression of, this, of the enemy that was speaking into their ears. I know you say, well, Pastor Ryan, that's a little crazy. I'm sorry, I read the Bible, and when I read the Bible, I see the work of the enemy at play. So I walk out in the church, we have worship, I stand up on a Wednesday night, I said, look, we were going to preach on this subject, but let me tell you what God just, just spoke to me. I tell them about the vision in more detail than I am to you right now. And I tell them about it, and man, the church stands up and starts praying, we start fasting, we start asking God to move, and within weeks we got our approval to start a new sanctuary, which exists today. Because we were fighting a battle that we couldn't fight on our own. We'd pulled every favor with everyone we knew. We had gotten the, our best people on it. We had agreed to all kinds of crazy things, and yet we couldn't get any movement. What we needed was God to intervene. I'm telling you that story for a number of reasons, but I, but I want to build your faith over the next four weeks that you can and are going to see miracles. You're going to see God intervene in your life. Problems that we face as we start talking about the supernatural because it's truthfully much easier to believe in the natural than it is the supernatural. It is easier to believe in our own abilities or someone else's ability than it is to believe that God is going to come through. The, problem, the first question I ask is, do you really believe in miracles? Do you, do you really believe or are you struggling with doubt? This is a real battle, and, 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 and the struggle with doubt doesn't make you any less Christian. But doubt is real, and it's something that we have to overcome and choose faith instead. Do you really believe? The second question is this. Are we even asking God, or are we just complaining? 
James uh, talked to us and, and he said we have not because we ask not. And when we ask, we ask amiss. Or have you stopped and really gone to God and asked, and asked Him to help you in prayer? Because oftentimes, if we're really honest with ourselves, we do a lot of complaining about our lives, but we don't do a lot of requests, requesting of God. The third question is this, are you really expecting a miracle in your life? So this moves us from can he to asking him if he will to now I'm expecting God to intervene. My dad always told me, and I'm sure you've heard him quote this, expectation builds faith and faith moves the hand of God. When you start expecting something to happen and believing that it's going to happen, your faith starts rising. So now when we start worshiping and we start praying, we don't worship and pray from a place that has been broken and beaten down, but we worship from a place already knowing and expecting God to come through. You've already done the miracle. All I've got to do is walk this thing out in life. See, I, I want to live my life in such a way that in the timeline of, of my life, of, of my family's life, of this church, God's already done miracles, and if I haven't seen it yet, it's just simply because it's not the date, it's not the time yet. But I want to live fully expecting God to show up in my life. Are you expecting God to do the miraculous? Because if you're not expecting, your faith will start to fall. Why am I talking about this? Because I want to build expectation in your heart. I want to build expectation in your mind. Four categories of miracles. And we'll talk about one each week over the next four weeks. First is the miracles, uh, is miracles of healing. It's the miracle of healing. This is probably the most common miracle that we pray for. In fact, often when we think of miracles, this is what comes into our mind, is healing. The second miracle is the miracle of protection. Protection. The third miracle, this, this is a prayer you might pray um, when you're sending your kids off to college. We're coming to the end of the year, and, and we're about to uh, graduate several seniors in this church. Uh, I know at least two of them are leaving town and going away to college. We have lots of other students in this church that are away at college. I don't know about you, but when my kid goes away to college, I want a miracle of protection for God to oh, look, watch over them every day of their life. Look, I, want, I want God to put bumpers on, on the sides of their life like the bumpers at a bowling alley. And when they think they're going in the gutter, God shows up, does a miracle of intervention, and pushes them back to the middle. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a serious miracle when you look at what's happening in, on colleges, campuses around the world. I want my kids to, and your kids to have a miracle of protection. Can I get an amen to that? Yeah. Number three, and, and this is probably the second most common prayer, is a miracle of provision. Miracle of provision. So we've got healing, which might be mind or soul or body. We've got protection, which it might be over our kids or our family. We're going on a journey, pray over our, our kids when they go to sleep at night. Thirdly is a miracle of provision. This is when we need God to be Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Provides. This can come in a lot of different ways. It's not all financial, but it's a miracle when God provides a means, provides something that you couldn't provide on your own. We'll talk about this more uh, in the upcoming weeks. 
If you're praying for a miracle of provision in your life, I want you to get ready because God's going to move. But fourth is the miracle I'm talking to you about today, and this is miracles of deliverance. Miracles of deliverance. Mir- miracles of deliverance. This is this is uh, can can get a little. This can get to be a lot because we don't want to talk about deliverance too much in a church. We don't want to talk about the devil too much at church, and we sure don't want to talk about demons too much in church. What's crazy to me is. Hollywood is making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars playing on our fears and playing on demonology and scaring the bejesus out of us. And yet when we come to church and the pastor says demons, we're like, oh, that'll be too far, pastor. We don't want to think about the idea that there could be demonic influences involved in our lives. We don't want to think about it. So we go to the movies, and that's okay because it's fictitious, and and as long as it stays in the unreal, fictitious, made-up world, we can handle it. But when it comes to the reality of of what the Word of God says and what you and I are really dealing with, then we're like, nope, I'm out. Pastor, you went too far. You talked about my marriage. I was fine. You talked about my kids. I was fine. You talked about giving a few weeks ago. We were on the edge, but I stayed with you. (laughs) Now you're talking about deliverance from the oppression of the enemy too far. Can I encourage you to stay with me? Stay with me? Because the devil might be doing more in your life than you even realize. Here's what the Bible says. Let me tell you this first. And, and I believe this is, this is what I see when, when, you, when you recognize what Hollywood is doing and then what happens in church and with Christians. We, and we accept it over here, but we don't accept it over here. I think this is the greatest trick of the enemy. His greatest trick that he's ever pulled is to convince the world that he doesn't really exist. If your enemy can convince you that he doesn't exist then he can destroy you and you'll never know it's happening. Here's what the Bible says. Paul wrote this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Are you, are you all in this morning? Okay. For we are not fly, fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. Not the seen world of the unseen world. We're fighting against mighty powers in this dark world and against, let's just get, let's just get even more. He, he says, I'm not going to leave it to just the unseen. Let's get even further in. Evil spirits in the heavenly places. There is this war taking place and you think you're fighting something in the natural realm, which is what we see, what we experience, what we can touch. And what Paul is saying is, while you're fighting here, there's actually a war going on in the spirit realm. What we tend to think is that heaven is way, 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 way up there. And we're down here on earth. And if you can convince me to believe that the war is going only on only in heaven, then that's happening way up there and doesn't even involve my life. 
You know, we, we picture this, this clash of the titans' war with, with the angels of God and, and the demons uh, and of the devil fighting, but it's like that's all happening up there, and we're just down here on earth doing our own thing. But the reality is that there is a thin line between heaven and hell. And the spirit world is not up, up, up there. The spirit world is all around us. And so the, the, these demons are working, and, I know, and I'm not here to tell you that every person you see is demon-possessed. That's not the point. But it doesn't mean that these demons aren't on assignment to make your life, and, and hang with me here, I'm going to use a Bible word in its context here. They're trying to make your life a living hell. They came from hell to find you and make your life hell right here. So we might ought to recognize what they're doing. Two biggest mistakes concerning demons. Number one is this, and, and I see both people. The first bi the biggest mistake we make is when we overemphasize demonic influence. When, when we start looking for a demon under every rock, when we start giving the devil credit for things he didn't do. I'm, I'm, I'm out of money, pastor. The devil stole all my money. The devil didn't steal your money. You went to First Colony Mall, stopped by the Apple store, and Apple got all your money. You were not in control of your finances. Not every problem is a demon problem. It wasn't the devil's fault that I ate the entire cake. I might jokingly say the devil made me do it, but that's not the truth. The truth is I wanted the cake. But the second problem is we underemphasize demonic influence. So it's not enough just to say, well, you, you, all you people over here, you're overemphasizing demonic influence. There's also this group of people that, that are under-influencing, under-emphasizing uh, the influence uh, of the, the, the demonic realm at work in our lives. Not every problem is a demonic problem, but more problems than most realized are caused by the forces of darkness because the enemy is hard at work in your life, in your world. He's hard at work. So that led me to this question. Well, what is it that demons do? <laughs> what is it that demons do? Well, number one, we'll find this in 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 26. This is not an exhaustive list, but just understand this gives us some, an overview of what they're wanting to do. Here's what Paul wrote. They will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. Say the trap of the devil. He's trying to trap you. He's trying to catch you in a trap that you didn't realize. Who has taken them captive to do his will. This is not God's will. The devil is not trying to get you to do God's will. He's trying to trap you and take you captive so you're not doing God's will, but you're doing his will. But it's a trap, so the whole time you think it's your will. You think you're doing a good thing. You think you're doing the right thing, but it's all a trap, and the devil is deceiving us, and we don't even realize that we're in bondage, that we've been held captive. We think we're doing our own will when what we're really doing is the will of the devil in our lives. Number one is they try to convince us to do the devil's will. That doesn't mean he's trying to get us all to be like Satan worshipers and all that 
you know, goes along with what we think about when we think about people who are controlled by the devil. I'm saying you can look like a Christian and talk like a Christian, but be doing the will of the enemy. Number two, we find this one in uh, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, verses 15 and 17. Lord, have mercy on my son. This is man comes to Jesus. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. Verse 17. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. They bring him to Jesus. Then Jesus, watch this, he rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. He didn't talk about the seizures. He didn't talk about all that. He rebuked the demon that was in the boy and from that moment the boy was well. Here's the second thing that demons are trying to do. They are trying to inflict suffering in your life. They want you to suffer. They want to make you pay. Consider, the Bible says that the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. This is what he's here to do. He's trying to destroy your life. He's trying to inflict suffering in every area of your life. Sometimes we are suffering in response to decisions that we made. But there are times when we are suffering because demons have been tasked to, in, uh, to inflict pain in your life. What we need is the spirit of discernment that comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. That we can see the difference between I did this and I caused this and if I'll make a change in my life, I won't have this suffering. We can see the difference between that moment and when we realize the enemy is hot on our feet and he's trying to make us suffer. And we come in the power of God and say no more. He can be putting us in depression, dealing with suicidal thoughts. These things are not from God. He tries to destroy our marriage, ruin our testimony, wreck our finances, steal our joy, obliterate our health, and end up crushing our children. This is what he wants to do. He wants to inflict suffering in your life. Number three. Paul wrote again in 1 Timothy this time. He said, the Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So this demon is trying to teach you things that get you to move away from God and abandon your faith, abandon your belief, and abandon the will of God in your life. So number three, they distract us from God's will and cause us to abandon our faith. Belief in Him, belief in miracles. This is what they're trying to do. The enemy's trying to work in your life. Can I get an amen this morning? All right. Here's good news, though. Here's what, I, here's what I want to tell you. You have miraculous authority that comes from God. You're fighting a spiritual war, but you have a supernatural power that comes from on high. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Here we go. Verse 31. Then Jesus went to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he spoke with authority. Authority. This word here is exousia in the Greek. 
Once, when he was in a synagogue, a man possessed by a demon, there's that word again, it's right there in the Bible. I know we skip it when we're reading the Bible, but there it is. He's possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He began shouting at Jesus, go away. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Something fascinating. Man didn't know this quite yet at the time. Remember when, they, when, when Jesus asked the disciples, who does man say that I am? Elijah or one of the prophets. And he said, well, who do you say I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you. Do you remember that story? Understand, this is another situation where someone makes a statement about God that was not revealed by flesh and blood, but what was actually happening was this demon was speaking through this man. How do we know that? Because Jesus cuts him short in verse 35 and says, Be quiet and come out of the man. Who is Jesus speaking to? Jesus didn't tell the man, come out of the man. He spoke to the demon and said, come out of the man. At that, the demon threw the man on the floor as the crowd. Understand, who was in control of this man's body? It wasn't the man. It was the demon who had control of his body and threw him on the floor. As the crowd watched, then it came out of him without hurting him further. Verse 36, amazed, the people exclaimed, what authority and power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. This authority, this exousia. This man was tormented, he was possessed, and yet God steps in, Jesus steps in, and casts this demon out of the man. Throughout Jesus' ministry, we see this type of thing happen. I've told you two stories today. Now, I don't know that this happened every day, we don't, it doesn't appear that this, was, uh, this wasn't Jesus looking under every rock and in every person and looking for a demon. But there are clear occurrences where this happened. And it normally happened around Jesus because when this authority walks in the room, the devil gets really uncomfortable. Jesus wasn't bothering this man, but these demons, when the authority of Jesus stepped into the room, it caused them to say, why are you tormenting us? Why are you bothering us? Leave us alone. This authority that comes from God. When a high-pressure weather system meets a low-pressure weather system, immediately friction takes place and storms turn up. Tornadoes and lightning and weather and wind and rain Hail. Why? Because it's these two weather systems that are opposing forces hitting one another. And when the authority of Jesus walks into the room, if there is darkness in the room, it's these two opposing forces coming against each other. And now there's a rub going on, and the kingdom of darkness can't stand still. Can I be honest with you for just a moment? I've been in church my whole life, and I'm going to tell you, that there are moments in church when God shows up to do things in our hearts and he's speaking to us. He's speaking directly to you. And in that moment, you know in your heart, whoever the preacher is, whatever the worship song is, God is speaking directly to you. But just about the time you're ready to receive and learn, your cell phone goes off in your pocket. 
Honest to goodness, while I'm telling you this story right now, my phone is going off on my, on my watch. I'm talking about this subject one day in our early service in Beaumont, and, and there's a girl sitting right over here, and it was an early service, and was, we had just started, there wasn't a lot of people, she's like the only person in the first five rows. And her, I can see her phone sitting two chairs down from her. It was actually like her mom's phone, I think, but her mom had left to go to the restroom. So it's sitting several chairs down. And as I'm talking about the work of the enemy in the context of a service, her phone starts going out, off, ringing and vibrating, and shoots down like three rows back, interrupts the whole service. Why? Why would, that, why would, a, why would a baby that has been sleeping so calmly choose that moment to cry. Your baby's not demon-possessed. That's not the point. I know some of you are not sure about your, we're not sure about your newborns, okay? Your baby is not demon-possessed, but here's the deal. The enemy will use anything to cause a distraction. He'll reach down there and pinch that little baby and wake him up at the wrong time. He'll cause your phone to go off. He'll cause something to happen in your life. He'll cause things, a light to flicker, we don't have this problem much anymore. The, the, the monitors are on own, so I don't let the devil get involved. But I can't tell you how many times we used to have monitors, and all of a sudden you'd be preaching, and you'd get right to when God starts moving in, and God is speaking to the hearts of the people, and feedback would happen. How many of you remember feedback in the, in the, in the church sounds? It's, and all of a sudden you just lost the moment. you got to get the church back again. What, look, what is it? I'm convinced the devil lives in the sound system. Because when the kingdom of light steps into the room, the kingdom of darkness gets really uncomfortable. It gets really uncomfortable. And friction starts to happen. I need to keep moving here. I was, uh, you, have, you have this same authority that Jesus walked in. You have this same authority. Jesus called his disciples in, 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 uh, in, in the book of Luke, and, and he called them in, and he said, this authority I have given to you to cast out demons. He's, he said, look, he said, I'm doing this for you. You have authority. Look what he says in Luke chapter 10. I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You have this authority. You don't have to be bound down to what the enemy is, is doing in your life. You have authority. I'm going I'm to tell, tell you a story, and you're not going to believe it, but I'm standing, I'm standing in the pulpit in the house of God, and there are multiple witnesses to this story All right, that can corroborate the story. I'm telling you, this is a true story. It's going to blow your mind. You're not ready. You're not ready. Tom, you ready? You ready for this story? Okay, here's the story. True story. 2009, uh, we're having our, our Triumph uh, Youth Camp with, with a number of other churches. So we're, um, I don't remember what we called it. We've got this youth camp going on. We're in Waxahachie, Texas. It's the last night. I've just finished preaching. We had this huge altar call. Kids are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Kids were getting healed. Uh, I mean, it was just incredible. God was doing wonderful miracles. We've been having like long church services. Not like, you know, hour and 20 minute Sunday morning service. I mean, this was a long, like God was moving. Kids weren't wanting to leave. They were in the altar going after God. It was, it was one of the highlights of my life. Incredible service. And as I finally get done, I've been ministering for a long time now, praying for a long time. I'm exhausted. I go sit down on the front row right here and someone comes and grabs me. They said, Pastor Randon, you need to come. I said, why? I don't want to deal with anything right now. I'm exhausted. They said, well, there's a girl, and I won't say her name. She's a small little girl. I mean, she might have weighed 60 pounds or so, a little tiny little girl. And, uh, and she's in the back, and, and apparently she's demon-possessed because this demon is speaking and acting crazy and throwing things around. It's, it's nuts. And I'm like, oh, Lord, now, Lord? 
But what I just tell you, two opposing forces. Yeah. So I go back there and I clearly see, okay, this girl is, is demon possessed. She's throwing around. She's, she's foaming at the mouth. It's, it's, it's like something you would see at a movie. And so I say, all right, let's get, there. let's get all the guys out of here. Service is done. Let's get them out. So the, the team takes all the youth out. They go back to their dorms. They go to play, whatever they're doing. And our pastor stayed in the room to uh, bring, help out, pray for deliverance for this girl. So, man, this girl was full of, of, of so many demons. And I, I, I can only believe that they were generational things because there's no way that she was too young to have all this access to all this. But, um, I mean, it's just demon is coming out, demon is coming out. This goes on for a long time. It's now after midnight. And there's this one demon that will not come out. And I'm exhausted and our pastors are exhausted. And uh, I don't know how many of you remember Pastor Jim Kyles, who was on staff with us here. Pastor's in Rosenberg now, a lifelong friend of mine. He was there with me, and, and he looked at me, and he goes, I don't know what to do, man. And I said, I know what to do. I said, somebody give me your cell phone. I opened the phone, and I called my father. Now, Dad, like I do, takes sleeping pills at night. But when, when, when you've got teenagers away at youth camp and you're a senior pastor and the phone rings in the middle of the night, just know it's never good. So dad answers, hello, hello. Hey dad, you asleep? Yeah. What's going on? Uh, dad, I got a situation here I need help with. He's like, okay, you know, you're kind of, you know how you're trying to clear your mind in the middle of the night? Yeah, okay, hold on, okay. All right, what do you need help with? Dad, there's this young girl, told him her name. She's demon-possessed. We've got all these demons cast out of her, but there's this one demon that just won't leave, and, and, uh, and I'm stuck. And he said, well, what do you want me to do? That sounds like my dad, doesn't it? What do you want me to do? <laughs> and I said, Dad, you're, gonna, you're about to cast this demon out of this girl. He said, uh, okay. So I put the phone on speakerphone, and I, and I put the phone down. And I said, do you know who's on the phone? I, this is true story. I told you you're not ready. This demon says, the bishop. I said, and do you know what that means? I have to leave. In minutes, two or three minutes, demon is gone. True story, gone. Girl comes alive again, man. Girl comes alive again. Ted said, is that all? You're done, Dad. The team's just looking at me. They're like, how'd you know that was going to work? Didn't. Desperate needed God to move, needed God to intervene, needed a miracle for this young girl, this, this innocent 12, 13-year-old girl that, that her, because of her family and her lineage had been exposed to things that she never been, should have been exposed to and was dealing with an attack of the enemy in ways that she never could have been. And so for her sake, we were desperate. We needed God to intervene. And I guess I was out of authority. I guess this demon outranked me. I don't know what all went on. All I knew was I had to go to somebody with more authority to meet within me. 
He didn't lay hands on her. He didn't shout. He didn't scream. He was, he was half asleep. But when he told that demon to leave, that demon left. Now, most people in this world are not demon-possessed. They're not where this young girl was. That's not the case. But there's a difference between being possessed and oppressed. Where the enemy is, is trying to get at you. He's trying to get at your family. He's trying to get at your kids. He's trying to get at your marriage. He's trying to get at your finances. He's trying to get at your health. He's trying to get at your business. He's trying to get into your mind. He's trying to get into your mental and emotional health. He's trying to get at you and he's trying to oppress you. And he's convincing you all the time that it's your fault and it's your will. He's deceiving you. might need to change some things in your life, it's probably likely. You might need to build your faith, it's probably likely. But you know what else? We ought to recognize the work of the enemy. Centurion came to, or the Roman officer came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I need you to heal my son. Jesus said, okay, I'll come and pray for him. And he says, no, 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 no. I'm a man in authority and under authority. I understand the process. So Jesus, all I need you to do is say the word and I know my son will be healed. Now I want you to understand something here. Jesus responds. He, he marvels. The Bible says he marvels. One of only a couple of places that, it, that Jesus marveled in the New Testament. And he says, I have not seen such faith, such great faith as this in all of Israel. This guy's not even a Jew, and he has more faith than I've seen. Now, it is very easy here to equate when he says such great faith to volume of faith. And what the enemy wants to do is convince us that we don't have enough faith. But here's what Jesus is actually saying. This man has a better understanding of authority and authority your understanding of, of the authority of God in your life is directly connected to the type of faith you have. See, it wasn't a volume issue. It was a type of faith. So when Jesus says, I haven't seen such great faith as this, he's saying, I haven't seen someone who understands the deal like this guy does. What am I talking about this for today? Because I want you to understand the deal. God has given you authority, but it's not based on you. It's based on him. You're not fighting battles with your power. You're fighting battles with God's power and God's authority. Understand the deal. And when we get this, that all it takes is one word from God, it starts to build our faith. Man, if it just takes one word from God, maybe God will speak with just one word. Maybe God will point and say to the, to the, to the enemy in my life that he has to be rebuked and moved and cast into the sea. He has to get away. It just takes one word and the faith starts to rise and faith starts to build. You have authority. Here's the deal. Fight with the power of God. We're going to talk about miracles of healing. Go to the doctor pray for the supernatural. Go to the financial advisor and believe to God for God to do miracles of provision. Are you tracking with me? 
I'm, I'm going to fight that spiritual battle with spiritual weapons, with my faith, with the authority of God. Then I'm going to do my best and believe that God's going to take care of everything else. I don't know what situation might be going on in your life. I don't know what, what battles you might be fighting where, where the enemy is coming at you and he's fighting and he's, and he's trying to trap you. But I want, I want to, first of all, tell you, you have the authority of God in your life to say no to the devil. And secondly, I want to pray a prayer. And if you don't have enough faith right at this moment, maybe your faith is low, maybe you haven't fully understood the deal, but I want to loan you some of my faith. I want to loan you some of the faith of these pastors and elders and these people that have, that have believed God and seen God come through time and time again. I want to loan you some of the faith that prayed and has seen heaven move. And the enemy is going to flee from your life. And when you walk out, when you walk out and things are stirred up in your life, don't get angry and don't get upset. Understand it's because you now have authority from God that maybe you didn't have an understanding of before. And it's messing up the devil's situation. He doesn't like it. So you just smile and say, God's on this thing. Would you stand with me today? Lord, right now, you know every situation. You know the battles we're facing. We, you know the, the ways that the enemy is trying to attack us. He's trying to inflict suffering on us right now. He's trying to get us away from your will, God. He's trying to cause us to leave our faith, and he's trying to get us to do his will. But I am declaring right now that no attack of the enemy in this church, in, this, in the lives of these believers, Lord God, to anyone watching online, no attack of the enemy will bear any fruit. But God, your authority is stepping onto the scene right now. It's driving out the work of the enemy. It's driving out darkness in every kind, Lord God, in every way. And I am declaring right now that you are doing the miracles of deliverance in our life. Do a miracle of deliverance of the enemy that's trying to oppress our kids and oppress our home, Lord God. I'm declaring right now that you are sh you're speaking to us and showing us the gateways, the doorways that are allowing the enemy in. Lord, let us go close those right now. Keep the enemy out and your authority leads the way in our home and our life. Lord, I thank you that you are building up in us that same great faith that was in the Roman office, that when you speak your word, everything changes. Lord God, this week, this week, this month, Lord God, I am believing for miracles of deliverance. The battle ends. Victory is ours because of you. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And I want you to shout amen on the count of three with me. One, two, three. Amen. Amen. Clap your hands and rejoice in the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. Pastors and elders, come. I want to I want to bless you before you go, but these altars are going to be open. If there's a specific situation that's burning in your heart and you need prayer for it, come down today. I, we're, we're declaring miracles are happening right here at Triumph. Come, you never know. Today might be the prayer that's prayed that changes everything in your life. You never know. These altars are going to be open. I'm going to bless you before you go. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And may he put his name, the name of Jesus Christ, on you. And you say, God bless you. We love you. Believe for miracles this month. God's going to do them in your life. These altars are open.